0: Down to the last comic shop. In five, four, three, two, one. Hey hey! It is now time for the last comic shop. Yeah. Oh, get along, you little you
1: That is right. We have opened up the stable. Let all the cows out of the barn. And are talking about comic books to help people find their way under a large tent that you can roll up put on a train and take
2: it west we're keeping it open for for the new guys and the old people that'll get our references <laughs> All those folks
0: that are around from the 1860s 1870s yeah they're still around they listen to podcasts and i
3: thought you just meant like anybody under the age of 35 need not apply to this show That's what I thought. <laughs>
0: Usually that's the
3: case, but we're
0: hoping to get those young folks. I'm the host of The Most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith, as always. Plus, for this week, ta-da, it's another guest host. It is our wonderful uh, colleague, brother in some cases, Ethan Larson. And uh, we haven't had him on for a read pile in quite a long time, so why not kick off 2023? bringing Ethan back on the show. Cause it's one of his favorite kinds of shows. His favorite French mime. <laughs> genre show,
3: baby. I love it's it. A love genre it. show. And he said he was going to read a Western and he said, all right, I'm in. Round up the horses. Let's go.
0: That's right. Cause uh, if there's nothing that Ethan likes more than a good Western and, uh, over the years, we've read a lot of Western comic books with Ethan. Blueberry, for one. I remember back in the day when we read Blueberry. Yeah. Chihuahua oh, Pearl. Yeah, yeah, that all, dame oh, that yeah. uh, he was
2: chasing after. Right. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Well there's not really a theme in this week's book And it's not really technically a western There's western parts of it But it actually crosses genres As we'll get to in our Read pile later on It is called Pulp And another reason why we wanted to do this particular book On this show is it comes from Two comic book creators That we have sang the praises of On past episodes of The Last Comic Shop That would be Ed Brubaker And Sean Phillips so if you uh, like this week's episode, make sure that you go back to our archives and find that episode all about Reckless, because that was done by that group, too. I think I've also uh, recommended in the past All My Heroes Were Junkies. I think that was also yep. uh, a um, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips joint. And Chad's read a bunch of them, right? Oh, yes. Yeah.
2: Sleeper was fantastic. Uh, Criminal, which the Reckless kind of spins out of that universe incognito they did some superhero stuff from the bad guy's perspective yeah sprubaker and phillips you see their names on a book you know it's you're in for a good time
0: yeah speaking of comic books and looking at the covers of comic books and saying oh is this kind of comic book going to be good bad whatever ethan went to the library to pick up a copy of pulp and he has had a little bit of an inspiration to do a new segment on the show and uh What's this segment called,
3: Ethan? Uh, what's on the cover? <laughs> is that a jazzy? Is that jazzy enough for? That's a fine. Yeah. What's on the cover? Want to unpack this, buddy? Yeah. So I was just at the library, and I actually threw out a bunch of books that I looked at when I picked up and thought they looked interesting. I actually threw this over to Andy and said, you know, hey, what's what's the deal with this book? And he's like, that sounds like a really great topic of conversation because. There's some people that were trying to get, you know, hooked in and, and what better way to get them to the library and look at some books and what, what kind of pops out to them and, you know, go from I there.
2: Sometimes that's the best way to pick a book. You find one and you're like, that looks neat. Yeah.
3: yeah. And the nice thing about comic books is, is, you can thumb through it and then you can look at and see all the art. And the, if the art grabs you, you know, it's like paperback novel. If the cover looks good, then you're going to read it, but then there's no more pictures. So it kind of sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, you do have to worry about the cover artist not being the interior artist. sometimes. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. yes, that does burn some buns among the last
1: comic <laughs> shop faithful.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, so you had a couple pit books that you found at the library you picked up, you put down or whatever. And uh,
3: where do you want to start, buddy? So I wanted to start with one of the ones that I know that you guys have talked about in the past. I took a look at it and it looked really cool to me. It was East by west east east of west east of west that's it is, right
0: yes. by jonathan hickman i'm not 100 sure who the artist is on that
3: nick dragota
0: oh see that's why i got co-host yeah but uh, i i do remember chad and i read i think it was either the first trade or the first two trades on a on a previous podcast and um i don't think we were no
1: we hated it well, i was gonna <laughs> yeah. say if, it, if it's a hickman book The first two trades probably just scratches the surface of what he's trying to do with the world building. And that's just
2: it with Jonathan Hickman in general. He is a creator that uh, will craft these large magnum opuses where you're going to need to read 40 or 50 or 100 issues to really grasp what's going on. And so if you're just getting a small slice of the story, like if they just had volume one and not the other 45 issues you're not going to have a great experience with a Hickman book. But if you're in for the long haul, usually whenever I've read Hickman stuff, it pays off.
3: Yeah. So what's the deal with it? Cause it, was, it kind of looked like it was Western meets sci-fi, like maybe a little bit of Westworld. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's accurate? got as
0: much robots as per se. I remember it as being more like magic, Ma- almost like dark tower kind of stuff. Yeah. immortal. Gunslinger folks that are like actually warriors, and people ride around on like ostriches made out of skeletons,
2: and there's like evil huge armies, and like it reminded me of the stand.
3: Okay, you know they're
2: gathering all the horsemen together, and it's just going to take a real freaking long
1: time.
3: now j.a you really like the hickman stuff with with the x-men right Uh...
1: yes yeah i've been well i mean i like a lot of it i wouldn't say all of it okay some of the premises i I don't like the whole that you can't die and you get resurrected with gold balls (laughs) (laughs) but But i do like that he's brought back a lot of classic x-men characters that had been killed off previously and you know you've had a revival the new mutants revival has been great so
2: yeah he's known for his his really awesome ideas that are either going to work for you or not so like right. you get the council of reeds and his fantastic Four run right out of the gate and you're like holy can holy, all these multiversal reed richards how cool is that and then you get you know from their councils of doom and other councils and you're like oh i've seen that idea before but how cool right. is that
3: yeah. Right, I was going to say, is he kind of like an, uh, a writer that needs to be reined in a little bit by like a good editor? And that's and sometimes I know the problem with image comics that you guys have brought up is a lot of it's you know writer published, so they get a more carte blanche on what they want to do, and that's for better or for worse. You're, you're kind of seeing the distilled vision of the artist, but maybe they're not you know being reined in as much as they should be.
2: Honestly, I'm going to say no to that. He's one of those guys that you need to give him that unfettered freedom to do what he wants because he has all these disparate ideas that he's going to sew up together. And if it's going to work, it's going to be great. But there is that chance that he's going to swing and miss. And then you're like, man, I read 45 issues of this.
0: Ah." (laughs) (laughs) But But honestly, I I think given your uh, past love of manga and anime, you actually might like this. It it might just not have been for me and Chad. And that's that's the great thing about comics. It kind of does have some things going for it. It's kind of a Western motif. People use swords and big blasters. There's giant armies. There's certain kind of sci-fi elements but also a lot of like fantasy elements Mm -hmm. uh long storylines somewhat like a video game i i honestly think you should give it a try but Mm -hmm. we're just telling you you might end up having to read the entire series to feel like you got what he was trying to lay down
2: right if it's not clicking feel free to abandon ship but (laughs) uh Okay. But no, it was really well received. Yeah, like I remember people talking it up, and I'm like, really? That book? I that book. It
3: was
2: <laughs> a whole lot of going nowhere. But different uh, different folks enjoy different stuff.
3: Yeah, because when I saw when I saw western and I saw like blasters and I saw like castles and stuff, I was like, man, this is dope. I really yeah. am digging this a little bit. Yeah, you'll have to come back
0: on a show after you read a little bit and see whether we were right or maybe it was a cup of tea.
3: What okay. was the next book that you found there? So um, I heard you guys talking a lot about the Tom King Batman. And right. What Chad brought up previously. It's kind of the pitfalls of what happens when you go to the library is that you only get like, let's say, volume five or they had City of Bane, but it was volume two. Mm. So it's like, I couldn't really like, piece together a coherent story. What really popped me was like in volume five, I saw KG beast. My boy. He came back. He's rolling. <laughs> Did he still have the gift mask? Or no? I don't know. It was just after Batman had battled the KG beast and this other fool. He's trying to track down some other guy. And so I'm just wondering if it's like, if Tom King is one of those people that you kind of have to read the whole series, or if you can just pick up a volume five and be entertained by it. And then, you know, maybe not see what happens in volume six.
2: So with Tom King's Batman run, I remember that was one of those books that I used to read
3: at the Barnes and
2: Noble, get myself a cup of coffee and then the (laughs) trades are coming out. Um, and some of them fair to Midland. And then some of them were great, but, uh, like there's an issue early on with, uh, Clark and Lois and Batman and Catwoman. They go on a double date. (laughs) It's probably one of my favorite comics in the last uh, 10 years. Like, it's just individual standalone issues. There's a storyline with Mr. Freeze that has Lee Weeks art where Mr. Freeze is on trial. A jury's arguing against Batman and, like, is Batman effective? And, like, that's really good stuff. But then you also have things that that don't always necessarily land. I I didn't make it to the city of Bane because the pandemic hit and the bookstore stopped uh, ordering those things. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't pour your cup of coffee. No, but I do know it was responsible for one of the things that I make fun of DC for, where the KG Beast shoots Dick Grayson in the head and he loses his memory and becomes Rick Grayson douche nozzle. And that runs
1: for like (laughs) 20 some
2: issues before they brought him back
1: for the Tom Taylor run that we read on the show. I'm sorry, I just have to interject. To this day, whenever I hear K.G. Beast, I see it in my mind as C.A.G.E.Y. <laughs>
2: beast.
1: <laughs> he's such a K.G. Beast. Yeah, KG.
3: With, with that gimp outfit, he's got to be K.G. You know. Yes. I mean, I
0: know <laughs> Any case, yeah, but uh, there are there are some really good Tom King Batman's, but I, I, I honestly don't know if you need to read everything. <laughs>
3: okay. So you think I could just roll the dice? Yes, you're saying,
0: yes, roll uh, the dice, pick it up. If you're lost, that's comic books, baby. Yeah. Uh, what? On. What? You got one last one
3: for us? Yeah, the only other one I was I was trying to find some Jonah Hex, but I couldn't find Ooh. any weird Western. And I was like, okay, you know who's Weird Western? Jonah Hex. And I couldn't find him. But oh. I wonder if you guys have read anything with Jonah Hex or could recommend anything other than yeah. that terrible movie. <laughs> with josh brolin yeah and that
0: one hot girl what's what's her name the fun for the transformers
3: is the only Ali- reason i
0: saw that movie
3: olivia wilde
1: is that it no uh, megan fox megan Fox. Um,
0: megan megan fox. Oh, Okay. because i've seen him in like i think there's been some batman cartoon shows yeah, it was
3: all an all-star western is supposed to be good one of the few redeemable qualities of the new 52 right well that was that was actually
2: one of the cool things about the new 52 is they were they were trying to put out some books that weren't just straight up superheroes. They they were pulling in Jonah Hex as part of the DC universe proper, like they brought in his niece Ginny Hex, that was one of those Bendis creations. What I would honestly recommend although I haven't read it, but I've heard such great things about it was the Jonah Hex Vertigo run. Along the lines of like preacher and like stuff that was coming out in that era,
3: dark and violent, is that what I'm supposed to be expecting? Yeah,
2: Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, they were responsible for a lot of really good Jonah Hex stories, so if you see their names on it, give it a shot. Yeah.
0: The only re- Hex I've read is actually not Jonah Hex, but just Hex, which is this uh, series that they released in the mid-'80s where they basically recast Jonah Hex as Mad Max and kind of put him in, like, a Fallout-style wasteland and, like... It's something you can find most of those issues in buck bins. So if you're out looking for buck bins on these cold uh, January afternoons, try to find some hex because it's at hey. least worth a
3: dollar. I was just gonna say I know you showed me the cover and it looks like the cheesiest 80s thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. So <laughs> even the
0: letters are cheesy. It's like all like neon pink hex. It's all like glam rock
2: album From the same time It's like Um, that WWE scratch font But I would be remiss If we are talking about westerns And I didn't point you in the direction Of my favorite western That I left at your house The Lone Ranger The 25 issue run by Brett Matthews Which we got to talk to John Cassidy Who made the The beautiful covers for that series. If you really want a great story from start to finish. And it's one of those things where you think Lone Ranger, you're expecting a lot of cheese. But they really played it straight. And uh, it's just, it's a great underrated run that I don't think gets enough praise. And it was buried by that movie that uh, even though I enjoyed it, uh, most people didn't. And so Lone Ranger, 25 issues out of Dynamite. It's lots of fun.
0: And it turns out that John Cassidy is actually a massive Lone Ranger fan. He was like very excited that we brought that up to sign. Like everybody else is bringing all this other stuff. And he's like, oh, Lone Ranger. And he showed us. He has like this awesome first draft of like a movie poster from the movie in the early 80s. And it was gorgeous. He's telling us uh, stories
2: about Brett Matthews' wedding?
0: Yeah. Super cool. (laughs) I hope to have him on a show soon. But yeah, that was Book By It's Cover.
3: Book By It's Cover. <laughs> 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 All right.
0: Well, uh, we'll be right back after these commercial breaks with our repo review of Pulp. Stay tuned. <laughs>
3: Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Hi, everyone. I'm Nerdbomber.
1: And I'm Tactic, And we're two of the hosts of the Online Warriors podcast.
0: Our podcast started as a way for three best friends to keep in touch and discuss their nerdy hobbies like
2: movies, gaming, tech, and more.
1: Since then, we've grown into a great community. Every Wednesday, we chat about the latest nerdy news before getting hands on with our weekly nerdy adventures. And don't forget our high-stakes trivia game. Come join the fun at
0: OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com and every major podcast platform. And now, back to the show. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Paw Review, where, whoa there, doggies, we're gonna get back on that trail and give you some more comic books that you can pick up at your local saloon. (laughs) Bookshop or wherever you happen to pick them up i don't know maybe they used to have
1: spinner racks in saloons wow. sure that's probably uh, i'm best. guessing the spinner racks were in the old time barbershop oh okay I was gonna say and this goes from the old time west to the
2: the pulpy 30s and 40s and so they're definitely spinner racks then
0: right exactly so yeah i mean this is very cross genre It kind of covers a bunch of different things, so hopefully it'll appeal to a lot of folks that are listening to the show. Let's remind folks who did Pulp. Uh, So, J.A., who worked on this particular book?
1: All right. Well, Pulp is a graphic novel. It was put out by Image Comics, uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, doing the heavy lifting with colors by Jacob Phillips, the son of Sean Phillips.
0: And, in fact, I think Jacob Phillips does coloring on most of their books at least i mean he did it on reckless too i know that much yeah recently
3: and then he's also doing books in his own right now which let me start right there because i i feel like i wish there was actually in grayscale is that weird enough to say because i i think that this book would have really been done well in grayscale okay that's just my two
0: cents no that's that's an interesting take we'll let you unpack that Right after the $0.10 cent synopsis. So, uh, Chad, as we get into why Ethan might think that this would
2: have looked better in black and white, what actually happens in the book? Okay, so it opens up. The old-timey cowboy riding on his horse in there. And we open up in the Old West, and it's a it's a gunfight. And, oh, the gunslinger defeats the bad guy. And then goes with his partner. And they ride off into the sunset. And they're going to go, and they're going to move to Mexico and retire. And start a new life. And then goes to 1939, where the author of the book is in his editor's office, and the editor's like, Oh, that stuff's great, man. We just need to fix this ending where they retire and live happy (laughs) lives. And takes a big red pen and crosses that out. And so the rest of the story ends up following this Western author. And then eventually he decides, I'm just gonna rob a bank. That's all there is to it. I'm gonna rob a bank. And I gonna get some money and then I can ride off into the sunset. That plan does not go as uh, promised. And he ends up actually bumping into one of the old uh, Pinkertons that was trying to hunt him down back in the day. And, yeah, uh, we
0: should kind of mention the fact that the author and this guy in his books are actually the same person. He's just it's almost like he's telling auto- autobiographical stories
2: mm-hmm. about his younger days. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, and he ends up teaming up with one of the guys that was chasing after him. And what do they do? They decide they're going to plan a robbery. And so it's very pulpy. You get the the mix of the cowboy western stuff, you get the mix of the the crime noir Uh, You get some Nazis thrown in there, finding your worth. And do you really get to go out happy and all that other stuff? And then it's over real quick. Oh, yeah.
0: Very quick and very violently. Let's just say that. So, yeah, I I guess back to the original point that you had, Ethan. Why grayscale? Why did you think this might work more in black and white than the colors?
3: Well, first of all, I think the color scheme was pretty muted. It could have easily been converted. I don't know. It was just when I read something like from that's based in the 1930s and it's talking about westerns, what it might have been cool to do was actually juxtapose where you have the 1939 stuff in black and white, and then you have the cowboy stuff in all full color. The crime noir of the 1930s versus you know the sprawling western motif. I think that really would have worked well, but I th- I like the the color style. I like the art in general. Um, it wasn't offensive by any means. It Just kind of was you know existed to kind of move the story forward. I would say is I don't know if that's a great praise, but it's it's <laughs> praise. <laughs> as far as the story goes, you know I kind of dug it. It's it's a very interesting concept where you take the retired cowboy who actually did go to Mexico and retire for a while, wanting to write his character riding off into the sunset. But he had to know that he wasn't going to make any money doing that, so I don't know why he tried to do that. It brought up a lot of concepts of, like, you know, he doesn't own the actual characters that he's writing, and that's a very sad concept to bring up, especially when you're talking about comic books. Um, so many authors, you know, will take just characters and they don't really own them, but they write stories about them and you know, they can be switched at the drop of a hat by yeah. put out to pasture.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, Especially in the thirties and the forties the fifty I mean, it goes back to sort of, you know, what's been going on with Ditko and Kirby and all these greats who created and had a hand in creating some legendary characters but then don't have the rights to any of it and, and, and never really got their due. Which uh, yeah. I mean it's we're getting a course correction, a lot of that, recently. You obviously see whenever there's a Superman thing, Superman was created by, and and, and you get that now with Batman. I think you even get it with Spider-Man a lot. The Marvel MCU movies are, are starting to do that as well. Going to the art, did you notice that whenever it's the flashback to the Western, it's almost like it's been painted with a brush yes. over the – so it's it's – much more muted and, and usually only the cowboy has that red shirt on and everything else is sort of, it's almost like he just did a wash on the page.
0: Right. Right. I, I yeah. took that as, uh, that's, that's kind the of memory. like, that's the memory. Yeah. That's the, that's the sheen that you put on memories because you don't really remember them picture perfect. You're just like, Oh yeah, that's how that happened. I think
3: some things are photorealistic and then other things are just a wash. It's almost like a dream.
2: Yeah. yeah, I almost thought of it as almost like a crayon where like you can see sometimes with their color of the faces and going outside of the lines and, you know, yeah. everything sort of scrawled over a little bit.
0: And I think that was honestly the first point in the book where like it kind of took a turn and became something a little bit different for me, um, you know, up until like this mugging that happens in the subway station. I don't know. You're not really putting five and six together as to who this person is that's writing this cowboy book and why we should care about him. But then later on when you start piecing together that no, he's writing about his old experiences, that's why he stood up to the folks in the subway cuz he used to do that. Like he was, you know, a gunslinger and evidently didn't like the fact that people ran him off his farm and the robber barons and all this other stuff. And so in his mind he was somebody that would stick up for the little guy here and there. And that's actually where it started to kind of shift for me. And I really started to really fall in love with that particular character. And boy does he meet I don't know, no he no, he doesn't meet it. He meets the end he should meet,
3: honestly. Yeah. Like well, it's very unforgiving <laughs> ending, right? Where you meet the bad guy in the bar and you're you know you're gonna be, you know, outgunned and outmanned, but you go in there anyways, right? Because yeah. that's what you have to do. You have to avenge your partner. Yeah.
2: It reminds me a lot of Road to Perdition, where this guy, uh this author, he's not a good guy. No. You know, and he's writing these stories, these Western stories, that portray him as, you know, the as the hero or as the you know, the guy going up ag- going up against the uh the man and doing these righteous things. But in reality, you know, he's somebody that was stealing and looting and, and going across the country, and so he does meet the ending he deserves and he has that realization at the end where it's like we're not heroes we're monsters you know right. the, the, we live in a world where you know the killers the monsters that's the reason we survive so long that's what this world is built for it's not right. built for the good guys and boy that's a heartbreaking
3: <laughs> Go well Ja, well, backing up i mean this that is basically unforgiven right i mean that's the same exact story the gunslinger from the back in the days wants to change his ways but he's drawn back in his partner gets offed and he has to go face the big bad at the end
1: and yeah, go and, back
3: to his old ways.
1: And become the big bad to do it. And, you know, he starts drinking and all that. It's. Uh,
3: I will say, I do love
2: the conversation when he meets up with the Pinkerton. And he's like, do you, you guys ever get close? He's like, ah, oh, we shot one of your guys once. And he's like, oh, yeah, Stanley, he was a dipshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just love, I love the, the guys at Pinkerton. Right, <laughs> nice. Pinkerton agents. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Another nice thing about the this book that I really like is showing somebody again in the twilight of their their career and how like as you get older as you change like the things of your youth they 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 kind of fall away and you start to see like the truths about people and and the fact that this like Pinkerton although the guy was like on the opposite side of him young in their younger days they were pretty much cut from the same cloth and actually he said like you know honestly this pinkerton guy was probably more of a hero than i was because like he was actually trying to do things and believed in law and order and justice i think that's why at the end of the day he wants to go and avenge him
3: the thing i can't get over and i don't know if this bothered anybody else but like why the setting why new york city of all places for this to happen like i feel like There's part of it where it's like, he even admits it in the stories, like, why the hell am I in New York City? This story could have easily been placed in, like, California, Los Angeles. You could have told the same story about the editor giving him a hard time, all that stuff. Probably Nazis in California, too. And it just would have made more sense with the the background of, like, where he was with the, like, I don't know if you're trying to juxtapose the city life versus the country life. But I think you would have told a better story if it was in California. See, but it's all about the pulp, the pulp magazines in New York city
2: was the center of the world. And this guy wants to tell these stories. He's got to be there where they're being published for it to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he brings his, his cleaning lady wife to New York to, to live out their days where he can make some scratch, you know, basically off of uh, tall tales that, uh, you know, reflected his past, but like he's there in the heart of it in the mix. Cause that's where it's all happening. Yeah, but I, I I agree that,
0: like, you know, also, it's, it's about the juxtaposition. It's about, like, go from the prairies to the cold, hard concrete. And they are different worlds. I, I think this book paints a really interesting picture of this particular guy. Like, I can't get over that. Ed Brubaker does an extraordinarily great job layering with this particular character. Like, you see a lot of facets of him. Not of all of them are good, not all of them are bad. But by the end of the book, I felt like I knew who this guy was, I knew all his motivations, I believed that like everything he was doing fell in line with what what I would have expected from him.
1: Honor Among Thieves, the bad guy with not the heart of gold, but you know, with a a, a moral compass and a moral center. And I just looking at some of the Him as an old man, obviously, Sean Phillips just watched Road to Perdition because he's straight (laughs) up Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. He's got (laughs) big
0: mustache and everything.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: you know, I I even like the little tidbits in the in the book about because I was trying to figure it out for the longest time. He keeps on talking about his wife and his daughter. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened to them? Then they just throw that tidbit. Oh, they died of the great influenza breakout, you know, (laughs) you know, outbreak in 1918. And I was just like, oh, well, that makes sense. But it's just like one of those wrinkles that like makes this person really three dimensional. Like you really believe this guy. Now, again, whether you feel bad at the end that he dies, I, I don't because I think that's the ending that he kind of deserved. Like he's not going out just laying in his bed like now he's going to go out in a gunfight. That's the life he's lived.
2: Yeah, because his editor went and put the big red line.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and also, you got to remember, he's a, it's that or a heart attack, right? He had like two heart attacks in in the span of a week or something. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he I, was it, literally a ticking time bomb. Right. The thing that gets me to is the
2: juxtaposition of someone having lived through the Old West. And New York city and the arrival of the like Nazi Germany and the, the world war two, like world war one and world war two, the flu in the nineteen was 1920, 1919, yeah, 19, 19,
1: 19,
2: yeah. but like all the different stuff that this guy has gone through, you know, across the course of his life and how that all translates to like, you know, here's this rough and tumble guy who's had to, you know, deal with all these different things. And now he's in the city and like, he thinks, he still thinks of himself as that 20 or 30 year old. And he goes to get into the scrap and he's like, ah, I've been punched since 1922. <laughs> like, ah, and Then they kicked the crap out of me and I had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I really enjoyed enjoyed is probably the wrong word, but it was, it was cool for me to see the tales of his youth versus where he right. is now and how that all adds up together to make a lifetime.
0: Well, the one question I had for Ethan is like again we brought him on this show because he said that he wanted to read a western. And initially I thought this was going to be a western based on the cover if I was you know just seeing this in a store I would have thought this was a cowboy book. But once you get into it again it's like half cowboy book half like something out of the Godfather or you know one of those 1930s gangster movies. And now I do know that Ethan also likes that genre as well. So I guess my question is Ethan would you have rather had this been a pure Western or was it interesting that they kind of married these two genres together?
3: You know, honestly it was because you invited me to the Western show that I was expecting a full on Western. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I will have to yeah, say that I will yeah. I have to parse my disappointment in not being a true full on Western, but no, it's uh, like we mentioned before it's the same story as road perdition or unforgiven. I mean, those are the word perdition is a, a Western but set in a different time period. And that's kind of what this is as well. It's a Western in everything but name. And uh, so, yeah, I I appreciate it, and I dug that. Like I said, I just wish that if you were going to do a stark contrast between the two worlds, you needed something to be more finite. And and the artwork did kind of reflect that, and the color schemes were a little bit muted, but I think if you would have went full on grayscale, I think it would really pop the book.
0: So, yeah i think that's good for our initial thoughts it's tile time for our ratings and we'll get to that right after these commercial breaks so stay tuned for more of the last comic shop right after this
2: and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the user name at Caps Life. You'll get a new episode from us every week, so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out. Hi, folks. This is Sean. This is Nerd Podcast. If you enjoy genuine conversation from two guys who love the subjects that they're talking about, you need to check us out. Honestly, good conversation about the things that we love. Give us a listen. We're easy to find. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd on some of your favorite podcast catching apps, or you can also check out our vlog on YouTube. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd. We're really, really easy to find.
0: All right, we're back with more. Of Last comic shopping is now time for our ratings. Circle of wagons, folks! It's gonna be an ambush. <laughs> Uh, Maybe I should start talking like, you know, more 1930s slang. Yeah, why don't you get on the trolley?
2: Uh, Ah, you're in too deep. You can't go 1930s. You've been cowboy the whole time.
0: Okay. Uh, Any case, hopefully uh, our rating scale will either be from the 1930s or from the cowboy era. We'll see. Jay has a lot to pick from. But what is our one out of four scale this week? Well, the one
1: out of four scale marries the two genres because that's what this book has done. It all revolves around robberies. So, oh. one out of four robbers. Robbers. Those robber barons.
3: Those ham burglars. So, what are we going to do? Like, wanted levels from Grand Theft Auto, where it's like, if we do, if we rate this a five, when we're like the the tanks come out, <laughs> <laughs> the fighter jets. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see if we can get that high. Uh, We're going to go ahead and start off with Chad Smith. He is traditionally a huge fan of Ed Brubaker's work, so I'm very interested in what he thought of Pulp. So what's that final rating, Chad?
2: Heck yeah. No, I enjoyed this. I didn't have the same qualms about the coloring. I thought they did a good job differentiating between the old Western stories and then the the muted 1930s aspect. I love the exploration of the life and just the juxtaposition of all that stuff. My biggest critical thing was, as an OGN, it, it goes too fast. It could have had a little bit more meat on the bone, but uh, the characters felt lived in, so I can't fault to it too much for that. Uh, so I'm going to go a 3.75. I think it was really good. I definitely recommend picking it up if you're into westerns or if you're into uh, you know, 1930s uh, criminal enterprises. But yeah, it was just, just too quick. It's the only thing that uh, brings it down.
0: Okay. I think I'll go next, and I'm just going to give this a little bit of a lower grade. I think I'm going to give it a 3.25. Although I I mentioned before that I really fell in love with the main character, and I thought his story was pretty complete and great. At the same time, I think to Chad's point, with things like Reckless, I I got to the end of Reckless, and I knew that Ethan Reckless was still there. So uh, I could just enjoy more Ethan Reckless stories, you know, whenever they're put out. This guy... Spoiler alert. He's dead. He's dead. And so like, there's no, there's not an opportunity for me to interact with this character anymore. And that's, that actually was kind of sad a little bit because by the end of the book, I really did. I don't know. I I just wanted to hear more of his story, but I think the art is beautiful. I think that this is a book that if you aren't into comic books, uh, you can still pick up everything that Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips writes is very cinematic. Like, it just seems like something that you would see in a movie. And so I feel like this has a wide appeal to a lot of different folks, especially those folks that aren't coming to comic books for Capes and Cows. So if you're interested in a Western slash gangster book with Nazi overtones and, you know, talks about uh, uh, creators' rights, this this is for you,
2: I guess.
3: (laughs) All right, Ethan, you're up next. I did want to mention one thing like I did really like that the you brought up the the Nazi Jews and I did want to bring up that the, there's a nice kind of like start and end of the book where he starts out as he's standing up for a Hasidic Jew and then by the end he's actually you know assisting with stopping people that have fun Nazis and, and avenging the death of a Jewish man so that's a great like full circle arc so I really appreciate that I just thought of that actually like, I like when they put little nuggets in like that, that you really like can just take a bite out of and and digest and fulfill itself. I'm gonna go a little bit lower, unfortunately. Um, That's probably like about 2.75. I thought it was way too fast, honestly. It was a very brief read. Um, I wanna say it took me a little less than an hour to read the entire thing and really digest it, which is good in certain instances, but it just read too fast almost. Like I would have liked to see maybe a little bit more of going back to his past and talking more about that, but most of my criticisms, like I'm trying, I'm resolving right now in my head. So were they as bad as I thought they were? Maybe not. You but just
0: yeah. didn't like it because it wasn't a full-on western. Come like on, that's, prob-
3: that's really what probably got me. I think like the, like kind of what Jay was said, where it's the cover artist doesn't necessarily match what the uh content has and i feel like that's one of the things about this book that uh you were sold a yes. bill of
0: goods that just didn't didn't match up with what you got all right j.a did this sell you a,
1: a, a bill of goods I, it was competently done it was very quick i think um ed brubaker and sean phillips they obviously have this formula down and that's probably my biggest complaint, sort of echoing a little bit of what both you and Ethan said. It was just a little bit too short. I would have liked to have a bit more meat on the bone. Like he talks about Mexico several times. It would have been nice to see a flashback scene of Mexico. I could have used uh, some more Nazis towards the end. I thought that was That's a That's not a, a sentence thread. you
2: hear a lot. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe I could I could have used more bad guys, I guess, Um, you know, pull on that thread a little bit longer for a standalone story that obviously you can't have more of because they've killed the guy off at the end. Take a little bit more time and, and make it a little bit bigger. So it came across, and maybe this is a meta thing, as sort of like a pulp version of one of the pulp stories that the main character was putting out. It was something that Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips could probably do on a weekend. Well, I'm sure it took them longer than a weekend, but it had that same sort of, okay, you know, slightly paint-by-numbers. I mean, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that all of us were reaching for Road to Perdition or Unforgiven, and these are classic tropes he reused again. I wish it was a little bit longer. I guess that's my biggest complaint. It was just too short. And for that, I'm going to give it a three.
0: Well, one thing that we hope would be a a larger meal for you is uh, some of these recommendations. Uh, As always, we like to give you some other books that you can go to your local comic book shop and pick up in addition to Pulp, if you are so inclined. And we're going to go ahead and start off with Ethan, who I think has picked up not only a Western, but also one
3: that was in Grayscale, right? So, like, maybe
0: he had some recency bias.
3: Yeah, that is actually what happened to me. I, I was trying to look for other Westerns because I wanted to come prepared for this genre show. And so I picked this up in the library. Law of the Desert Born is a graphic novel representation of a short story. By Louis Lamour, adapted by Charles Santino. Script was done by uh, Beau Lamour and Catherine Nolan, and then the illustrated by Thomas Yeats. Gorgeous, gorgeous grayscale artwork. Just the faces pop out, the Western motif. Oh, it's, and, you know, the hills and valleys and horses and just everything that you can think of for a traditional western this has got it's a very conventional western story as well cattle dispute gone wrong cattle rancher gets killed and uh, they need to find the person that did it and uh, there's a budding relationship between one of the scouts and the killer so
1: just good
3: stuff overall yeah but what else
0: do you want from a Louis L'Amour book like I mean if you're coming to a western and you're like
3: yeah
1: yeah, if you're going to get a Western, you might as well go to the master himself. Exactly. Louis L'Amour. I mean, the guy yeah. put out, what, like 200, 300? Yes. Ridiculous <laughs> he, amounts.
3: He was a lot like our main character, where he was just writing by the word, so. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, Ethan, is this one of the first times you ever read, like, in in essence, was a adaptation of a novel in comic book form? Because yes. We, we, we do those on The Last Comic Shop all the time, and, and there's tons of them out there so it's really cool that they did this and it seems like the lamore estate was involved because you said one of the scriptors was oh, maybe his yeah. son or
3: um yeah so the, the lamore estate was definitely involved in it and yeah i, I think it really re- re- well i didn't read the um the original story jay have you read the story before
1: that one no i've read plenty louis lamore books right they're all essentially sort of similar
3: yeah <laughs> hondo or um uh, shane is a louis Lamore story try to find it at your local library shout out to baltimore county public library system for hooking me up
2: there you go all right chad you're up next what do you got for us okay so i'm actually gonna change course a little bit originally i was gonna recommend some uh, jack kirby Commandy, out of respect for our, our pal mikey wood who, when we were doing The Fourth World, was all about uh, d- discovering his love of Jack Kirby. That stuff is great. And I was thinking, what better to show people that somebody that knows what they're doing, which is how I feel about the Brubaker-Phillips stuff. They just they know how to tell stories. They know how to get things done. And if there's a formula there, it's a great formula. And it's just Brubaker and Phillips are both masters of their craft. And so one of the cool things that Ed Brubaker does that uh, we haven't talked about in a minute is uh, the panel syndicate.com, which is a website where he will produce, along with uh, a bunch of other big name artists, in a digital format. And it is basically pay what you want. So you can pay them a penny, you could pay them $10, you could pay whatever it is you think you know that book is worth. And as of Halloween of last year, he had just released a, a newer issue of Friday. Uh, the book he's doing with Marcos Martin, Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin did Private Eye, which we read a long time ago. But these panel syndicate books are—they're just lots of fun, and it's—we're talking about going to libraries and finding ways to reach out to new readers. Uh, this is another really great thing where the buy-in it could be potentially super low, or it could be whatever you want, whatever you think it's worth. You know, maybe you try out an issue for a penny and then decide, okay, you know, this is something that's worth continuing with. And then you up your contribution as you go. Uh, so, yeah, officially I'll put down Friday with Brubaker and Martine is my recommendation. But any of the panel syndicate stuff, it's worth checking out. And it's a great experiment as Baker has done work at the big two, but he's not beholden to it anymore. He can do what he wants. And so I, I'm just a fan of cool experiments like this one.
0: Well, uh, for my recommendation this week, I'm also a fan of cool experiments. And there's a lot of awesome, cool comic book, I don't want to say they're experiments, but they're really neat ideas and stories coming out of AWA. Yes, uh, that awesome uh, publishing company uh, started by Al- Axel Alonso really captured my imagination uh, because they put out some really, really great books uh, that we've covered on the last comic shop, either on the show. Or uh, on our Twitter page, whether that's uh, Devil's Highway, whether that was New Think, or, of course, the Eisner Award winner Not All Robots by the wonderful uh, Mark Russell and uh, Mike Diodato Jr. This particular book uh, I found and was lucky enough to talk a little bit to Frank Cho about, and that is Fight Girls. It was a five-issue miniseries that he put out. It's wrapped up and he's now working on fight girls 2 the story is it's uh set in like some sort of weird future place i don't know they have teleportation and alien worlds or whatever and long story short there's a queen that like oversees the entire galactic empire and and when the old queen has to step down they have to crown a new queen and as a result they have this awesome contest where 10 of the greatest female athletes from across the Galactic Empire come together and have to engage in, like, I don't know, these feats of strength almost. They have to run across this jungle that's filled with dinosaurs and giant wildcats, and they have to go across the desert with giant sandworms and swim across the ocean with uh, megalodons biting, you know, and some of them meet terrible ends, but at the end of the day, two of them end up having to fight in a a gladiatorial contest towards the end. And you think all of this would be really (laughs) like sexist, but it's not like, I mean, again, the women are beautiful. They're very athletic looking. Frank Cho, as you may or may not know, knows how to draw the female form, but it's not a female form that I feel is derogatory anyway. It's, the women rock in this particular book if you're interested in a really great tale that really has wonderful art uh frank cho writes it frank cho draws it and there's another uh series coming out in the, in the near future so fight
1: girls check it out all right ja you're gonna finish us off with our recommendations the pulp part of it was all about the production of pulp magazines and pulp comic books from the in the 1950s so my recommendation is sort of a throwback to that pulp age of storytelling it is half past danger by stephen mooney and it is set during world war ii essentially you've got staff sergeant tommy irish flynn is leading his uh, platoon through the jungle in the south pacific when they come across a a secret nazi base it's got a a plane straight out of indiana jones the flying wing and then they go around this because they they're only a, a small platoon they can't engage in this big nazi base so they go around it and they're attacked by dinosaurs oh nice And he loses his whole squad, and then he goes back, and he's drinking himself into a stupor in New York, and he's uh, recruited by this British agent, Femme Fatale. And there's this Japanese karate guy there. It's filled with Nazi intrigue, which is something that I wanted uh, Pulp to have a bit more of. It doesn't take itself too seriously, you know. If you like the Rocketeer, if you like the Indiana Jones type stories, this is right up your alley. And I think it says it all. The cover for the trade paperback says Dames, Dinosaurs, Danger."
0: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great pick. I've read that too myself. And uh, uh, as you get later on in those those issues. Um, not to give too much away, but it's a little bit multi-layered from start to finish. That makes for a very rewarding read. Kudos to that recommendation, sir. And uh, kudos to everybody that continues to rate, review, and subscribe to The Last Comic Shop. If you're not one of those folks, what the heck are you doing? Make sure you go out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com and do that thing. Because we've got all these great episodes coming up for the rest of 2033 and beyond. And so you don't want to miss a minute, whether it's read piles like we have on this show, whether it's interviews with comic book creators, such as, you know, Kelly Thompson a couple of weeks ago, we've got more interviews from Baltimore Comic Con with uh, folks like Philip Kennedy Johnson and uh, Jerry Ordway. So yeah, make sure that you're tuning in. And if you need any of those bags or boxes or boards, To keep some of these comic books, such as Half Past Danger or your comic book collection of Fight Girls, make sure that you're going out to bcwsupplies.com and using promo code L-C-S-P-O-D to get 10% off your order. bcwsupplies.com, use promo code
3: L-C-S-P-O-D. It'll protect that hex that you fished out of the dollar bin, right? (laughs)
0: That's right. Get a clamshell for that sucker. Put it up (laughs) on your wall.
1: Be sent off to CDC to put into a slab. That's it. I was just going to say, slab that sucker. Oh, my goodness.
2: Anyway, if you're interested in slapping these suckers or any of the stuff we're talking about, you can always find us on the socials, Atlas Comic Shop, wherever social medias are still around these days. Posting things like weekly polls or Golden Age covers to put you to bed at night or just comic book discussion what we're picking up each week you need to head back to the home base it's www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com,
1: where folks can find what else there J.A. Well we have a link to our merch store you can get t-shirts coffee mugs tote bags uh, this week special on 10 gallon hats should you need one <laughs> perfect yeah
0: I, I, I need one it's to replace my two gallon hats my my doctor said I'm supposed
1: to drink more water this year so like uh, maybe if I we have it's a two-for-one two, two special. You can get a 10-gallon hat. And you, if you buy two 10-gallon hats, we'll throw in a free fedora. Poncho <laughs> sold separately. Nice.
2: And while we might be the last Comic Shop podcast we hope you need, we don't want to actually be the last Comic Shop. So we encourage everybody to get out there to a place near you where you can find things potentially like Louis L'Amour's Law of the Desert Door. Or maybe you can find on syndicate.com books like Friday or... You can find AWA's Fight Girls by Frank Cho, or you could dig for Half Past Danger by Stephen Mooney. All that and more waits for you potentially at your local comic shop, so check them out today.
0: Alright, and until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson, I was joined by my regular co-host, Jay Scott and Chad Smith, as well as the wonderful Ethan Larson, and we hope that you stay safe, stay out of trouble, and remember, you should always take your heart medicine
1: I know. <laughs> yes, I got nothing. And as as you get older, make sure you're uh, taking an aspirin every morning. That's right. <laughs> Creators, put some money
2: aside for some health insurance. Right, exactly. Yeah, we're not
0: doctors, but we play ones
3: on this. Podcast. Hey, if you love all this, give us a five star review, please. we best perform.
0: Yeah, that's a great prescription for your ills, right there. <laughs> The last comic shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.